Would you rather have wireless on the most reliable network nationwide or unlimited with 5G for $30 a month per line? You don't have to choose with Xfinity Mobile. Wireless so good it keeps one-upping itself. Most reliable based on Root's metric U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. $30 per month per line when you get four lines. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to In the Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Duop and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to In the Know, brought to you by Brooke Linen, which is for linen sheets. Mason Ginsburg, how are you, my friend? It has been an all-star break in which the all-star game happened to <laughs> many people's surprise, disappointment, whatever it happened. Um, how have you been? Did you enjoy your time off from basketball? <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't want to see all, anything from the All-Star festivities. I, t- I took a little time uh, away from hoops as well. Um, what about you, though? You had a birthday, huh? My birthday was... It's in... probably since the last time we recorded. <laughs> it was February 23rd, which is three weeks ago, two weeks ago? No, so I guess we did We did record one, maybe. I don't know. We definitely yeah, recorded it was, in this yeah, three weeks, yeah, but man, man, my birthday was uneventful. What what happened on my birthday? <laughs> I think the Pelicans won. I don't know. I could be wrong. Whatever. Um, irrelevant. But first half of the season in the books, the Pelicans are fifteen and twenty one. They dropped two on their way out. Zion did not play in that final game against the Miami Heat. Uh, the Pelicans did not look like a good basketball team without him on the floor. <laughs> Speaking of the Miami Heat, there's a, a player, Myers Leonard, who was in the news as of yesterday and today. He was live streaming a game, a war zone, probably irrelevant. Um, someone, I guess, sniped him. Did Something happened uh, causing a, an outburst in which he unleashed an anti-Semitic slur very clearly on camera and 
so far, I mean, there's been a lot of reactions to this. The NBA has decided to fine him $50,000. He's been suspended for one week. He gets all his pay. It's, it's, it's suspension with pay because um, he's not playing in any games. So it's not one of those things where he's going to serve the suspension when he's eligible to play again. No, he's just, you know, he gets to chill at home for a week. Play more video games and yell at more things at people. Yeah, just, you know, um, I, you've been quite vocal about this on the line. Wanted to get your thoughts and see if you, you had anything to say about this whole situation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously disappointing. Um, I, I think it's, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk too long about this, um, but I, I think it's pretty shameful what he said. I think there's some, there's some deep seated stuff going on with him to, to even like I, I th- well, some of the, so yeah, I have been talking about it on, on Twitter a little bit and some of the responses I've, I've, I've gotten are speak pretty, um, you know, some are kind of garbage, but some speak pretty eloquently about it. And, um, the, the fact that he even had, knows that word, um, that's a word that a lot of, a lot of people, um, had no idea what it meant or anything about it. Um, but the fact that he used it, that's like, I mean, clearly he does clearly he's, you know, um, it's not a foreign term to him. And, and it's, it's really just, it, it I don't know. It, it is, like I said, it's, it's disappointing. I, I think the, the reaper, the lack of repercussions is the worst thing we, we've seen a lot of this um, or not a lot of this, but some of this over the last year or so. I mean, we, with, uh, there was an incident with Deshaun Jackson, Steven Jackson um, just, and, and really it, it's hard to toe the line between lack of um uh, are just ignorance versus outright anti-Semitism, um, because to me, in a lot of cases, they're one of the same. Um, I thought uh, you and I talked a little bit about Julian Edelman's response, and um, you know, my my perspective on what he said is, you know, the the casual ignorance is absolutely what's most problematic here because it perpetuates um, types people saying these types of things and thinking it's okay because it's not in any way. Um, I think you know, you you were you said some really good things to me about how he, he Edelman was probably a little too uh, polite in his response um, while saying some, some good and smart things about um, what Myers Leonard said. I, I think maybe uh, get, letting him off a little bit too easy as far as, you know, come over to my house for a Shabbat dinner. It's like, I mean, no, I'm not inviting, I'm not inviting Myers Leonard over for anything. Um, and I, I, I think um, an incident is one thing uh, we saw of uh, uh, you know you think back to the bubble he 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 stood during the anthem when all his teammates kneeled um it, it wouldn't have taken much for him to just be a, a, you know be a, a uh you know in the, in the trenches with his teammates um so at some point you have to ask is, is it a pattern um and uh, i don't know it's it's it, it it's it's a struggle for me and and the nba's response to it is arguably even worse i mean it it's it's not even a slap on the wrist is how i described it it's 0.5 percent of his salary that they're finding him which i think is the max they can um but it is I, the I'm max. Not, but I'm, I'm not sure you know what the rules are around whether or not you can suspend with versus without pay and and, and what's what you know what that um yeah i just don't know what the rules are there but ultimately it just feels like it's all this it's all the same it's just not taking this this type of uh commentary this type of anti-semitism seriously and so it's, um, you know, uh, it's, I, I really don't know what else to say about it. Yeah. Look, I'm not in the business of trying to establish if 
there's a pattern with with Myers Leonard and you know the who he is at his core that's that's none of my business um what's problematic to me is you see incidences like this time and time again and Myers is clearly a a pretty privileged person and mm-hmm. in my experience that like you said the this kind of gets shoved under the rug and there people like Myers are given continual benefit of the doubt over and over again um and everyone's experience is different in my experience it's it's never an isolated thing it it just isn't um but you know i get we've said enough on this topic uh disappointing with how the nba decided to handle it let's uh let's move on to the pelicans who are 15 and 21 like the NBA's um, punishment, the Pelicans are disappointing. I suppose you can say that. And I, I just wanted to let's let's go through, uh, you know, a couple key players on the team. Maybe we can probably go through the whole roster, um, and then as well as Griff, the front office uh, and coaching. I want to get your your takes on if they the subject has met your expectations, exceeded your expectations, or has been a, in a disappointment, you know, like, is it a surprise, a disappointment? Where, where are you at on, on these um, players and individuals? So we can, we can start, we can just start right at the top. We'll start with David Griffin and work our way down the roster. We've, we've had a year and a half of Griff effectively i mean i'm not counting the long hiatus that's expended uh that's extended the time period everyone's been with the team but like as far as a working year and a half we've had about a a year and a half of griff where are you at with him and and his front office and the moves slash vision they've shown um disappointed i i i think but disappointed relative to high expectations so i i'm not I think overall, it's still incomplete. This is not um, this is not something that was ever going to be. Just, you're not going to write the ship in a year. You trade Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday in back to back seasons. You really, I, I mean, I looked at a, a chart. I think Kirk Goldsberry tweeted it out or, or put it on Instagram a day or two ago. And the Pelicans are actually they have a better net rating right now than they had last year. So somehow they're. I mean, they've been a lot healthier, but um, they've been even if the record doesn't show it, they've been kind of on par with what they were where they were last year. And arguably the talent level is, is similar. Um, obviously Zion's kind of been insane, but, um, but, but I mean, still it, you know, you can say it's incomplete, but you can also look at what the individual moves that have been made and, and what the results have been. And you'd be less than pleased. I mean um, the, the, his first draft looks, I mean, beyond Zion looks not great right now. Um, the, the move, uh, the the trades with AD and Drew, I'm I'm not gonna, you know, I, I feel like he maximized return. I still feel like he he did a great job with those two moves. It's the other stuff. It's the other stuff that you uh, start to question um, you know, around the draft and around um, you know the the players they they brought back. Um, whether it was you know favors last year, Reddick last year, um, uh, and, and then obviously Bloodstone Adams this year. I mean it. it it's so you, you think it's a means to an end. Um, the question is whether the right moves and was it the optimal um, moves to the situation? And so I don't, I don't think it was inc- particularly like, especially damaging. 
So that's why I'm saying ultimately I still have an incomplete. I, I I'm not I'm not terribly upset about Chris what Chris done so far overall, but I think it is le- uh, below expectations overall. Yeah, I think when you have Brandon Ingram as an All Star, you have Zion Williamson who was an All Star, selected All Star starter after an injury. The expectations are higher. You got these two great players supposedly, and your team sucks. And why does the team suck? Well, the roster sucks. Who built the roster? David Griffin and company built the roster. Um, so yeah, from from that standpoint, absolutely, it's been a disappointment. I, for me, I only have I really really have one major complaint, and that was the Adams trade and move. That is it. I mean, I everything else, I'm I I don't think is deviating from. Um, you know, what, what an average GM would do, uh, or even, even, I don't think there is necessarily a GM that would have done wildly different things out there. Um, and maybe if your expectation is that David Griffin should be way better than all those GMs and it's a disappointment, that's, that could be fair. Um, that could be a fair expectation, but outside of the Adams trade, you know, from, from the draft, the draft is a crapshoot with the information that was uh, available at the time, you know, the process was, Hey, with Jackson, we're going to select this long-term project who has an enormous amount of potential. All the analytic models are saying this guy is the real deal. Right. Um, And you could, you could ding him on the process. Be like, okay, well, you know, investing high first round picks and bigs who can't shoot doesn't have a great track record and you'd be fair to ding him there. Um, But again, I think, with how that draft was built up and with how it's kind of turned out, you, you see the redraft that John Hollinger did for um, the athletic, you know, he had Nikhil as his 10th in a redraft, which is absolutely wild. And that kind of speaks to how crappy the draft class has been. Um, And so, you know, it's been disappointing with Nikhil and Jackson so far. Definitely think it's incomplete. Um, I think what what will make that result complete is a either you know you see who these players develop into for the Pelicans or b who they turn them into. What will eventually be disappointing, you know, what, what will solidify it as a failure is if he ends up moving off of them for you know let's say a second round pick or ends up just cutting them or losing it for nothing. Those kind of moves will solidify that as a failure, which is very possible. It's within the realm of possibility. Um, but I'm, it's not. It hasn't happened yet. So TBD on that. The Adams, the Adams stuff just kills it for me, man. Um, the it's it's doubling down on <laughs> on getting those non-shooting bigs and giving up uh, a coveted asset for it, um, a first-round pick, multiple second-round picks, as well as the ability to stay flexible, um, not just by using the mid-level exception, but also flexibility uh, this coming summer. Uh, flexibility with potentially moving George Hill for or for something or not um, just you know a litany of things I think that was just a categorically bad decision the process behind it I get what they were trying to do you know they're trying to bring in a guy who would just stabilize for the next two, two or three years and then be a, a cultural touchstone um, I don't think it was worth all that I think you know I think there there is a necessity for those kind of players I think you could have got it done at a much cheaper price. Um, that's where I'm at with Adams. Um, as far as everything else, 
I think it's it's just nitpicky. You know, I think if you a lot of people have already set their opinion in stone, and so it just leads to confirmation bias. Whether you, mean, you like we shouldn't him. go to Trajan Langdon, we shouldn't just move on. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> it's hilarious to me, man. Um, it's fine. I mean, everyone's allowed to have their opinion, but it's it's funny to me when so p- people so concretely have an opinion on something they know absolutely nothing about. Um, they have absolutely no idea wh- what's going on behind the scenes, or you know who, what the responsibilities are for each front office member. Um, yeah, it's everyone's everyone's welcome to an opinion. Have at it. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, you know, like you said, it's incomplete with David Griffin. Um, I think if you're a David Griffin fan, you're going to support all of his moves. You're going to defend uh, the Adams trade and everything else he's done or, you know, come up with excuses uh, for like, oh, well, you know, there's no no better option, blah, blah, blah. I've, I've, I've heard them all. And if you're if you're a David Griffin hater then you know everything drafting kyra lewis is enough to to you know um blow it up is <laughs> enough to just crucify someone and then look like now everyone's a big fan of kyra okay uh, so yeah i think you know you're i think it's okay to say the pelicans front office as a whole has um not met expectations so far but there is runway for them to meet them and exceed them fair yeah yeah uh, uh, absolutely um i i think um even even with the the adams move and how it kind of hasn't worked out the way that i'm sure griffin vision so far i think it has taught us um not things that we you know that we would maybe other wouldn't otherwise wouldn't have learned about the rest of the roster um and how adams i think the hope was that he could at least um help make the the defense passable while tr- contributing enough on offense um while not shooting to to, to help and yeah, obviously the offense even with, with him on the floor has still been <laughs> lights out um but uh the defense obviously has been a disaster despite adams and everyone else mostly being healthy all year and so we're we're learning how much more this team needs to be competent on defense and that's that's a little scary right I, I was going to go to Stan Van Gundy, but since you brought up Adams, we could we can go with him. You know, has he met expectations? Has he? Well, we can go uh, to Stan. I mean, that, 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 you've already <laughs> opened the can of worms with Adams. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think if there's a guy who has squarely met my expectations more than anyone else on this roster, it's it's Stephen Adams. I mean. Um, I, I don't think I ever expected him to be like a, 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 like an anchor by himself, but I thought there was more talent on the rest of the Pelicans roster defensively than there has, than they have shown this year. So, I mean, I, I think he's been exactly what I expected, um, as a guy who, um, you know, can help open up, uh, lanes for folks by setting hard screens, a guy who's going to, you know, rebound the hell out of the ball on both ends of the floor and, or make space for other players to rebound the basketball, um, and so, and then, and then defensively, he's not, obviously not the most mobile big, um, and he's not a high flyer who's going to block, uh, who's going to block a ton of shots. But I, I, I think he's been a, a solid, um, you know, a solid defender and interior defender, especially alongside a guy who's been bad, but, but slight, but slowly getting better in Zion Williamson. Um, and so I, I'd say, yeah, he's, it's good to start with Adams as a player. Cause I feel like he's the one who's maybe closest met my expectations. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll go far as far as saying that it's been a total surprise to me how good the offense has been. And I think that he has been a significant contributor to that. He's been, I think, for the early part of the season, uh, he was the Pelicans' third most important player. I think Lonzo has passed him up in that regard, uh, or third most impactful player. I think Lonzo has passed him up in that regard. I also think that, you know, Adams has been at least the fourth most important offensive player, and the offense isn't as efficient as they are right now without him. As, like you mentioned, his screens, his offensive rebounding, his ability to spring Brandon Ingram open for a mid-range shot or any kind of shot at will. Um, Pelican's offense relies on that a good amount, and he's a very positive contributor to it, despite uh, John Hollinger claiming that you'll never be able to play Zion and Adams together, which is proven <laughs> to be a completely ridiculous statement. Uh, I do think, you know, as good as the offense is now, I, I, I'm i not a believer in it should it come playoff time. You know, like – Agreed. Yep. Uh, it was Jason Commies who, uh, who said this in our group chat. He's like, you know, if you have an offense that they can just, they can shut down at will, then you don't really have a good offense. And, and that's kind of the case um, with the Pelicans. And it's hard for me to pin it all on Adams. Um, it is a contributing factor and it probably will be when, when teams decide to load up in the paint, but you know, if there's someone else other than Bledsoe, let's say there's a Bradley Beal in that spot, there's a Zach Levine in that spot. Um, all of a sudden, Adams isn't a problem, you know. It, and 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 again, you have a viable offense with with the weapons that you have. So, yes, I, I think he can be a problem. Um, yes, I think that he he clogs the paint. Right now, that part has not been any of the, the Pelicans' concern. I am I am disappointed in, in him defensively. I thought, um, I frankly thought it, it, it would be better. Uh, and, and again, it, it's not it's not on him uh, entirely. Uh, I thought that he would be able to at least cover for some stuff, just because of his positional soundness, uh, being in the right spot at the right time. And, and he's just not a, a deterrent. He's just not. Yeah. I, I, I have a harder time putting that on him because I think, like I said, I, I, I had higher expectations for some of the other guys. Like um, obviously I didn't think Bledsoe was Drew, but I didn't think he'd be as bad as he has been defensively. Um, and then obviously I was hoping Ingram would take a step forward and he really hasn't done that on the defensive end um so i feel like it's been a, a heavily heavy turnstile and even lonzo has has been I, I mean overall he's been like plus defender for the pelicans and you gotta not... like stop going to different topics <laughs> when when we have a list to follow mason sorry man uh, there's with basketball there's 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 dependencies it's not, there's you know, dependencies. It's not baseball. okay well <laughs> shit man okay, okay. Let's, let's let's let's, let's, right. let's back it up a little let's let's go right. to stan let's go to stan right. and gundy um what where you at on him um so i'm i'm surprised but it doesn't that i guess it doesn't mean i am i'm not disappointed and i'm not overly um you know happy i'm just kind of n- neutral so like he he simultaneously has not met my expectations but also um you know, overall, he's performed about at the level I, I was, I guess I was hoping. Cause like you come, you come into this job, you've got 
two and a half new starters. You've got no, no training or hardly any training camp, two preseason games, just like you don't much time to like install a philosophy that is pretty uh, systemically different than the, his predecessor. Um, and that said, I feel like he's done a fairly decent job of adapting on the fly in certain cases. Um, Zion point Zion is a perfect example um, and, and really giving him the keys and letting him just kind of, I mean, do what he's doing at such a young age. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I think that I'm not saying that that was like some genius uncovering, but at the same time, it, you know, he had to put him in that spot to, to, to give him that type of freedom to, to, for the Pelicans to really unleash this offense that they've unleashed. Um, but defensively, I mean, you can make a lot of complaints um, against how to say, how didn't you see this coming? How didn't you see the fact that, you know, three point shooting might be at a, at, you know, at the highest it's ever been because of various factors around, you know, is, is it because the, the stadiums are empty and, and, and there's no, you know, there's not a lot as many distractions and it's almost, it's closer to shooting an empty gym. I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, there's clearly been a, a very large uptick in three point shooting this year. And I mean, that's kind of on, on them to it's their job to, to see stuff like that coming. And so he wanted to double down on protecting the paint and, and trade off threes and it hasn't worked out for them. And so he's tried to make some adjustments, but this team is just, the players aren't good defensively either. So it's, it's been a, a huge issue. And the fact that despite pretty much full health from the team all year long, they're this bad defensively, it's, it's not good. Um, so I, I guess that's, I'll, I'll stop there and see see where you want to go with it. Yeah. So I, I, I will push back a little bit. One, you know, stands a four-year process. It's what he was brought here for. He's brought here to be a teacher. He's brought here to, to build a culture, to, to install fundamentals. It's impossible to install fundamentals when you cannot practice. You, mm-hmm. you can't. And, and so I don't blame him and the coaching staff. Uh, on that front and two, you know, you mentioned they should have seen things coming. And, you know, I, I actually asked Stan uh, a few times while early in the year, um, what the data was saying and how it was trending. And, and the thing is they did, they did look at that stuff. Um, he was aware of where, where things were trending. And um, he was also cognizant of the fact that at that point we were 10, 12 games in, and it's difficult to say definitively, this is a trend or this is just noise. And he's also d- adjusted his defensive philosophy, um, not philosophy, just scheme multiple times from that point forward. They've tried multiple things. So they've tried um, in pick and roll defense. They've tried just simple, basic drop. They've tried aggressively hedging and trapping the ball handlers. They've tried just being at the level of the screen. They've tried switching. They've tried zone. and during any game you're going to see multiple um multiple of these strategies and it goes back to the players on this roster just suck at defense and they have no interest in defense and they have no defensive accountability and every post game stands out there saying these exact same things and he's essentially telling the world these guys don't give a shit about defense. They don't. And he's being so nice and polite about it. And then, you know, he, he throws himself under the bus, like saying like, Oh, well, we as a coaching staff got to be better and better. But like, I feel for him because these players just suck. And then, you know, you could kind of like bring that up to, to, to David Griffin um, a little bit uh, in that, you know, he should have known that these players suck, but again, that that's all from the perspective of how, 
competitive you expected the Pelicans to be this this offseason or this season. And, you know, in the offseason, I, I had them at the 10th seed. I said that they were going to be a terrible defense. Um, and, you know, pretty much that's come to fruition. They're, they're, they're the 11th seed. They're actually pretty far away from the 10th seed at the moment. Golden State is a 10th seed and they have a winning record. And the Pelicans are, you know, 15 and 21. So, um, so yeah, I'm actually more in Stan's corner than I thought I would be upon reflection. I, I do, I do criticize some really dumb, I don't, I don't, okay. It's, it's tough for me to call it dumb. Uh, there are, there are decisions that I've disagreed with. Uh, I disagree every time they pull Zion off the floor mm-hmm. in, in crunch time, every single time. I just, that's terrible. That's terrible process to me. Um, and, you know, I think this man just for whatever reason refuses to challenge calls, um, which I am, that's, that's a small nitpick, you know, that's, that's one possession. Uh, but there have been multiple instances where he's kind of outside of not challenging the calls, he's held on to a timeout instead of advancing the ball. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? This team has terrible situational awareness when the pressure is ramped up in the clutch time when, when the game was on the line, this team has folded over and over again, Like that's their, their mental capacity uh, to execute in those situations is not very great. And, and, you know, you're kind of giving them the freedom to try to inbound the ball instead of just advancing it. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like that's, that's a situation where, you know, for for the first, like the first time it happened, it should never happen again. It's kind of, it's happened multiple times. Yeah. Speaking of that, though, I think one last thing to talk about with Stan is, is, you know, what, any, anything to add around the minutes for the young guys versus playing the vets? I mean, I know this is not, maybe it's not just Stan. Maybe there's, you know, there's urging from the front office to do certain things and then um, Stan wants to do other things. But um, you, any, any strong opinions on some of the other uh, decisions around like Naw and, uh, Kyra's minutes yeah those decisions I'll pin on Stan I don't think that's the front office saying don't play those guys in fact mm-hmm. I think the front office wants to play those guys Makes JJ sense. is magically sitting for <laughs> the next two weeks until the trade deadline uh he sat for three games they're aggressively shopping Bledsoe um and JJ and you know they were shopping Lonzo at one point but you know he's, he counts as a young guy so it doesn't matter but I think David Griffin and front office would love nothing more to get that Kyra and Nikhil Alexander Walker, the minutes, I think Stan's an old school coach. Um, he believes in, in earning those minutes. And I think where people have an issue is, well, how can you be earning those minutes when the guys in front of you, like, you're just, you're losing games, you know, you're, you're essentially losing games and uh, the guys in front of you aren't getting the job done. So why not try the other guys? Well, I think the disconnect there is that people have an issue with trying to win and losing and, um, they just want you to either try to win and win or not try at all. Um, whereas, whereas the Pelicans, they're trying to win. They're just not succeeding. And, and so Stan is old school, which one, he, he's going to rely on his vets Two, there. You know, if you're, if you want to trade Eric blood, so you cannot bench him, you just can't. Um, right. And, and they do, they do, they do take him out of games and give the young players run when he's been exceptionally bad. Um, but that's just not going to happen on a regular basis. And two, I think there's also, we can talk about this in our Bledsoe segment, but I think there's a little bit too much whining about him. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's also this component of these guys, like Stan is like defense, 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 defense. And while Nikhil and Kyra 
are good at generating turnovers and, and stealing the ball. Kyra is is like um he's like no resistance at the moment because of his slight frame. Everyone just goes through him. Nikhil, you know, he can be foul prone. And so those are situations where Stan just doesn't trust it. And, and at the same time, you know, when that's happening in the keel, it's not only defense, but it's also Nikhil's like a turnover machine and, and Stan's just deathly allergic to turnover. So those are the factors that have contributed to those young players, not getting minutes. And I think if those young players were better, they would get more minutes. Zion gets all the minutes. He's been given more freedom as he, as he continues to show that what he can do, um, you know, they, they basically built the offense around Ingram for the first part of the season. He's been getting minutes. Lonzo has been given uh, more and more and more uh, freedom and minutes and responsibility. So, you know, the young, young players are still getting minutes. It's just that some, we want the young players who kind of suck at the moment to get more minutes and stands like, nah, I'm not about that right now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I feel like, uh, you know, you've, I, I understand the philosophy and I think it's, um, it's a little more, um, I think for, for me, it's a little more frustrating for Nikhil, just thinking back to last season, I just like wish in hindsight, rather than keeping, giving all those fucking minutes to Frank Jackson. Like, I really wish they had just let Nikhil, let Nikhil play. And now I feel like this year, there's even more competition for guard minutes. And obviously that could change the trade deadline, but I, I don't, um, I don't necessarily fault the inconsistent minutes, uh, or, or, you know, for those guys, uh, for exactly the reasons you stated, I mean, you can't just bench blood. So, and I don't feel, I think you should bench blood. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, I guess it's revisionist history, but not really because we were both kind of clamoring for it at the time. Like why the hell is Frank Jackson playing this much? Nikhil should be getting some, getting some Frank burn Jackson here. was a waste of everything a waste of <laughs> moving up to acquire him a waste of every possession that he got on the floor um yeah he, but he, that one summer league man that one summer league yeah and preseason preseason go he didn't even have one summer league he had a game <laughs> that's true <laughs> he had a game where he scored 30 and then got injured three quarters in Anywho, that's enough on Frank Jackson. But um, yeah, even even last year with with Etwan Moore on the team, management wanted to get the young player Nikhil more minutes, and you know there was reports on how like they basically quote unquote fought over or Etwan's minutes, right? And was there was a report earlier uh, this year how Stan and and Griff disagreed um, on on the minute allocation this year. And so, again, I don't think it's a Griff thing. I think it's a, a Stan thing, and Griff will have his back in the public eye. And and I think it's just a healthy disagreement between GM and coach. Coach is trying yep. to win games. GM's trying to look on the long term, and it there there's a balance, and they find it. It's I don't think it's anything surprising. Life is too short to sleep between anything less than really nice sheets. But maybe you looked at some retailers and calculated the years of interest you pay on just one set and gave up. Trust me. Go check out Brooklinen. So Brooklyn was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they found a Brooklyn as the first direct. Now on to sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product. Unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on sleeper too, by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. 
first in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about over under on sleeper. It's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download sleeper now to play their new over under game and have fun with your friends. And most importantly, make some money. Make sure you use that promo code blue wire and sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download sleeper, then use promo code blue wire. When you deposit terms and conditions apply, see sleepers terms of use for details. Consumer betting company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklyn has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products. They even offer a 365 day money back guarantee. And Brooklyn is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. Go to brooklyn.com and use promo code Pelican to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code Pelican to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. brooklyn.com and use promo code Pelican at checkout. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Enough on Stan, unless you had any more nope. comments. Okay, That's enough good. on Stan. Let's let's work it down to the roster. Let's bring up let's bring up Bledsoe. We talked about Adams. Let's talk about the other new addition in Eric Bledsoe. Where are you at on him? Yeah, I mean, I, so I'll say I probably didn't watch him as much as I I could have um, when he was in Milwaukee. Uh, or at least with a, as close of an eye, um, but you don't know um, when a player is going to end up on your squad. And so um, I, I guess, like, like I alluded to, very underwhelmed defensively. Um, I think there's been a little bit more criticism around his effort than is warranted. Um, uh, I think it has been inconsistent at times. I, I do think that maybe he's not thrilled after playing on a title contender for the last couple of years to be um, in New Orleans on a meddling team. Um, but, it, you know, it's not like he's God's gift to basketball either at this point in his career. So, I mean, I, I think, for, so first of all, I'd like to see a little bit more consistent effort on the defensive end, but I don't think it's as bad as some of the fans are making it out to be kind of like what you're, I don't know. I don't know what you're, what you're referencing um, with the too much hate for blood. So I just, I agree generally, but I specifically probably am, am more focused on the effort, the criticisms he's gotten on that, in that, on that front. Um, offensively, I, I guess I don't really, he's more or less given, me what I expected um uh, you know he's he early in the season before the point Zion he was really the the only other Pelicans player besides Ingram who would get to the rim with any sort of consistency um not that he was terribly effective doing so but also but you know you need to have that threat of penetration or else you know defenses can can stop you pretty easily or they can just load up on BI and you kind of saw that sometimes um he's shooting the ball the best he's ever shot in his career from three-point range he's like 39 percent or so 
and he's on it's on pretty good volume too so even if he's not even if defenses aren't giving him a ton of respect he's still making defenses pay from when, when he spots up um so that's that's good um so yeah i mean overall offensively i i think he's he's been a a a, a plus a, a, albeit a small plus but a, a plus player um and defensively he just hasn't been good um and that's and that's been the most disappointing part because you you, you need plus you need other plus defensive players alongside the rest of these guys um and obviously the the, the impact down uh, for the team as a whole has been very very apparent yeah i don't i don't agree with you on him being a plus player on offense i think with the quality really? of looks yeah i think his drives don't accomplish anything anymore um he's not he's he was an effective driver earlier in the season it's it's become less frequent and less effective as the season has gone on. Um, he's not finishing well at the rim. And, you know, again, part of this is the spacing issues. The Pelicans do have legitimate spacing issues, but yep. you know, he has, uh, he's with the quality of looks that he gets from three, uh, you know, you, you insert like an average shooting guard and I think they'll, they'll give you what he's giving you. And, and defensively, you know, I expected him to be, a little bit more forceful at the point of attack. Um, he hasn't been, I don't think he's been abjectly awful, um, but I don't think he's been a positive. I don't think he's been a positive defender uh, to, to say the least. And, yeah. you know, a part of it is I think in Milwaukee, he had Liberty to be more aggressive and gamble more with the back line there and in in this case in on the pelicans one he doesn't have a backline presence uh like Giannis and brooke lopez but also the team is so bad rotationally and help wise there's so many holes to plug in that they, he just bloodsoe's just out of his element and him trying to defend one player um i'm just disappointed that every time we go up against talented guards and this applies to lonzo as well they just cannot they just are met with no resistance whatsoever just none and you know Bledsoe has the lowest steal rate of his career by a significant amount he averages he's a 2.5 percent steal rate for his career uh he's at 1.3 this season and he has the second lowest block rate of his career so, you know, there either his athleticism is waning or it's effort related, whatever it is. I, you know, I don't, I don't think what I, what I meant by like, I think he gets too much hate is I, he literally touches the ball and people start screaming at him on Twitter and you're like, okay, just <laughs> relax. You know, um, you sorry, know, he's not Drew Holiday. He's not, yeah. Well, I mean, he isn't. And it's, it's disappointing and it's, it's frustrating because Drew should have gotten those all defense nominations, um, not nominations, awards that, that Bledsoe got. But unfortunately, you know, Bledsoe is better than Kyra. He is better than Nikhil. And that's why Stan has a level of confidence in Bledsoe more so than he does with the young guys. And that's on David Griffin to sort out if he wants those young guys to play. Because being the old school coach that Stan is, Bledsoe's going to get his minutes that's just the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a team, a playoff team could, could Bledsoe help a playoff team? Not a contender, just a playoff team. Sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think there are a number of teams he would make better. Um, 
again, I think he's a he's a rotation player. I'm not sure he's a starter you want. You know, what does he look like if he's a, a full-time bench guy and just played in, in small minutes to just go disrupt set disrupt stuff on the bench and and kind of run that stuff? I don't know. Maybe he looks a lot better. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he can help a number of teams. I think he can help Dallas. I think he could help the Clippers. Mm-hmm. I think he's decidedly better than Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe he can help the Bulls. Is he better than Alfred Payton? It's possible. Yeah. Wait, the, the Knicks? Sorry, the Knicks. <laughs> um, yeah, he, I think so. The, the Knicks help. fans, man, they, they have something. that They do not like Alfred Payton for whatever reason. I don't watch enough Knicks games. but Dude, Alfred Payton is not good. He's, he's, he's not a good <laughs> basketball player. And, and I know there's like fans of this podcast that are going to be not happy hearing that because he's a local dude, but he's, he's not good. Um, <laughs> The triple doubles, man, in in New Orleans. Just, I don't want to hear it. He, <laughs> he's not a good basketball player. But, yeah, I mean, I think he, there's the – man, who am I thinking of? There's another team I feel like he can help. Um, no, not Boston. Oh, the Magic. The Magic are just riddled with injury right now. And so if they want to pick up a guard, um, yeah, Bledsoe could help them. They're – they're 14th in the East. They always like, want to try to make the playoffs. Yeah, but and Gordon comes back. The East is the East is. You look at the parity. Look how far I they know, are from. I from know eight. they're three and a half back of 10th. <laughs> and 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 how far is back 10 from like four? Uh, two and a half. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. The yeah. Celtics are 19 and 17 of the fourth seed. Just incredible. That was a, that was a fun one year we had where the East was actually competent. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, the East sucks. But yeah, enough. What I'm saying yeah. enough. Enough about Bledsoe. Yeah. Is there? Is there? I've been. I've been kind of picking the order now. Is there? You know, we we've hit the main ones. We've hit some, the new additions. There are there players you want to cover. Um. Yeah. So we hit the two the two new guys, and so now I mean I guess. Um. Yeah, I mean let's go with the let's go with the Laker trio. Which one do you want to start with? <laughs> Let's start with Hart. All right. Um, you want to go first? You want me to go first? <laughs> I was, I, I'll go with. I'll go first. Um, I think Hart is overrated. I'm going to just start with that. I think Hart's overrated. <laughs> I think people overstate the importance of a sixth and seventh man on a on a 15 and 21 team, and I don't think there's anything unique about what he provides to basketball outside of his rebounding and the vast majority of his rebounds aren't contested he's doing the Westbrook thing where he's just stealing those rebounds um and people are boxing out for him it's a contract year for him so he's motivated to do that he is a below average offensive player I do love his hustle I do love his heart no pun intended um I just don't think that stuff is worth paying 10 plus million dollars a year for I, I you're never going to convince me of that. Um, you know, I, I look at guys around the league that are either at the minimum or much cheaper at mid-level, uh, at the mid-level salary that are as good, if not better than him. You know, I, you know, I look at Royce O'Neal. I look at Justin Holiday. Um, you know, the Rockets, I've always talked about the Rockets people who how they have, they found Jay Sean Tate, who's a rookie. Um, and he's significantly, I think, I think he's 
either as good as Hart, if not better. I think he's a better defender than Hart. Um, I think, you know, like David Nwaba was on the minimum, a little bit less talented than Hart, but is it, you know, would you rather have Nwaba on, on the minimum or Hart for $12 million a year? And I think yeah. that answer is pretty easy for me. Um, I, I think as a defender, Hart, again, he's, he's effort. He's not very good at navigating screens. So he's kind of miscast as a stopper on this team where Pelicans just don't have one. And he's more, he's more gifted defending more physical players that like to kind of post up and, and be slow. But, you know, if, if he's trying to defend a high pick and roll, that's, that's not Hart. That's not who he is. He doesn't have a lateral speed for that. He, he um, he's going to die on that screen and it's going to be that, that guard playing, two on one against the Pelicans big, whoever's back there. Um, so, yeah, I, I have a very, you know, I, people talk about, Oh, you should start hard. Cause Bledsoe sucks. Yeah. I I'm not about that. You know, I think that one that makes the bench unit worse Two, um, you got to consider what, what you want to pay Hart and do you want to pay him as a starter? And again, it, when this team gets better is, is, heart your version of a starter or would you like someone better there and if you want someone better there and you're eventually going to replace him in a few months why would you even just give him that starting spot um so you know hearts hearts perfectly fine um i don't think he's a tremendous needle mover yeah i mean i think probably one of the worst kept secrets or best kept secrets on this pelicans team is that Josh Hart's not a good three-point shooter. <laughs> I mean, maybe that changes, but right now, I mean, he, he's he's 35% from his career, and that's just heavily weighted by a hot rookie rookie year. Um, he hasn't been above 35% in any year since then. I mean, he went he went 33.6, 34.2, and right now he's making one out of every three three-pointers. And so, like, the question is... is Worse is, than that, he passes up... So many. <laughs> so many open threes. So many. Just that stupid pump fake and then drives into nothingness. Like, I yeah. get that it's a contract year and you're trying to save your percentages. Dog, take them open threes. It's it's maddening. You know, you you give that same shot selection to Duncan Robinson. That dude is is knocking down six threes a game on the Pelicans. Like, you know, like, and, and taking 15. You know, um, <laughs> It's, it's ridiculous, man. That's I heart heart is fine. I would love if the Pelicans were able to retain him at a reasonable price and, you know, for the culture, for the bit, for the bench and, and all of that, that's, that's, that's as far as I get. Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel like at times he gets over, you know, overrated because of, you know, the life it's almost like, it's the, the team the energy from the team is so bad that josh hart seems like this like this god who comes in and just like can motivate play the, the teammates but like why the why the hell is that what they need first of all that's that i think that's that's a bigger issue is the fact that josh hart makes the difference he does um to, despite like all the all the things you said like I, I i'm with you i i like i like Hart a lot i like the the fact that he the things that he brings to this team but it's kind of because no one else on the team brings it. And that's, that's the frustrating part. So like, um, I think, I think the efforts there, I, I think um, he's, you know, versatile enough offensively to be a, a good back, like a solid backup guard. I don't really, like I would never dream of paying him starter guard money. Um, so and I, I really, I'm, I'm so intrigued by his market this coming off season because 
I, I could see a team like all it takes is one, right? I could see one team talking themselves into Josh Hart for, you know, as a, as a, like a three and D wing who can rebound and like the, the data doesn't really show that, but um, I could see a team talking themselves into it. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I just, I, I would honestly, as, as the year has gone on, maybe that, that deal could, could scare me even a little bit more than, than Lonzo's. And so I'm, you know, I, I want to ride this out with him. I'm not, I'm not at all trying to trade Josh Hart. I want to yeah, see what the market. It, let him go yeah. get an offer sheet. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but, but yeah, I, I don't think he's as critical of, as like a, of like a glue guy for this team as other people might, but then again, like, it all, it, like you said, it just ultimately comes down to cost here. Yeah. I just remember, you know, like people said all these same things about Kent Bazemore and that dude got paid like $18 million a year and has done absolutely nothing since. And, and, and frankly, I don't think Hart is better than Kent Bazemore who is on a, on a minimum contract right now. And yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Is is, is, is better than each one? For I mean, if each one's at the minimum and Hart's at twelve million dollars a year, I'd give me each one every single time. I yeah, mean, yeah, like yeah, yeah yes. it, it, each one's just allergic to rebounding the ball, but at least they'll <laughs> make threes. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's. I do feel like I I do feel like you sold his rebounding short. I I don't think it's all like gift rebounds. I think he fights for some. I think I think he's like maybe his rebounding numbers are overstated this year because it's what Stephen Adams has helped him do on the rebounding front. But I do feel like he's a legitimately really good rebounder for specifically for his position. Okay, um, <laughs> let me let me give you the stat here, and it's pretty hilarious. Hold okay. on. Give me a second. The stupid stat site is. This might be eye test driven, so is, I'm looking is, forward to this. Very slow. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've I've kind of tracked the, the Pelicans rebounding in general. Um, okay, so uh, who do you think leads the Pelicans in contested rebounding uh, percentage? Uh, Zion. Um, no, it's Stephen Adams. So he grabs the most okay. contested rebounds, which kind of makes sense. People just throw. Oh, sorry. I thought like I was saying like maybe percentage of total rebounds. So that's, I went my mind with the Zion for that. But uh, yeah, in terms of volume, I, I, yeah, I would have. No, so. no, it's, it's percentage of total rebounds. Oh, okay. So actually that is a little surprising to me. Okay. Okay. Um, Steven Adams is at 55.1% of his total rebounds are, are contested. What, what, what percentage do you think? Josh Hart is at. Uh, thirty. Less than that. How far off was I? Not that far. Okay. It, he, he's at twenty-seven point three percent. Of his rebounds are are contested. Okay. Now let's look. How's that compared to guards? Other guards. Um. Yeah. Lonzo is similarly low, and Ingram is similarly low. Um, and you know the the other guards just don't rebound. So yeah, they're, isn't they're that expected on. for for guards in general, or or no? Like what what's the benchmark? Sure, if if you know you grab two of the rebounds a game, but you know if if um you know if if you're grabbing seven eight rebounds a game like Hart is, you know only two of his rebounds. So he averages how many rebounds per game? Hold on, he averages seven point three rebounds per game. Only two of them are contested. That's yeah, pretty I mean, wild to me. That's pretty wild to me. A little bit. Hold on. I just, I just want to stick with defensive rebounding. 
uh, just one second and maybe maybe it's a higher number or maybe it's a lower number. I'm, I'm prepared to be surprised. No, yeah, only 23% of his defensive rebounds are, are contested. Which honestly, hold on. I want to, what I want to do is I want to look at everyone who averages at least 7.3 rebounds um, per game or actually he averages 6.3 defensive rebounds per game. And I want to look at their contested percentages. This is gonna yeah, be but fun. are you pulling all positions or just or just uh, every guards? single position? That's not fair. <laughs> How many people average six point three rebounds per game, though? Why would it Why would it not be fair? There's just not that many that average six point three rebounds per game. In fact, there's less than there's less than fifty. Is your position that he just hunts out rebounds and 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 sacrifices on the defensive, uh, just on defense to get rebounds? Um, my position is that his rebounds aren't really impactful to the team. That's my position. Actually, I don't know. We, I, I, I'd argue that guards in general aren't that impactful when it comes to rebounding. So I think I'm, I think we're 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 starting from a low bar here. So, um, and so I think he just above average. That's fine. Rebound. I guess you can call yeah. him a guard, but I don't think he's a. I don't think he counts as a guard. That's a, that's, that's more that's a bigger problem for the Pelicans than for right. Anyway, we've spent too much time on <laughs> <Yeah>. guard. I, <laughs> I I don't think that he's uh, I, I I like his rebounding. I don't think it's like oh my goodness, like the Pelicans can't survive without it. I, it is, to me, it's it's not who grabs the rebound that's important. It's as long as someone grabs it, and the system is very generous for him to grab it. Um, yeah. Anywho, enough about Hart. Uh, continuing on with the Lakers trio, let's let's go to to Lonzo, who's been a topic on a lot of pods. Where are you at with him? I mean, it's, I, I'm uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't know how you can't be pleasantly surprised at where he's at, especially considering where he started the year. Um, I think I think the biggest thing to me is that he's he's now doing what he's what he, he needs to do in this offense and what he's honestly best at um and so he i I think he's doing like he he's he's not exposing him his 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 shortcomings as much and he's just focusing on like the shit he does well offensively um and so i think finally it's paying dividends because his three points percentage has come around he's obviously bricking a lot early in the season now he's up to like 39 percent, which is just incredible uh again given where he started the first few weeks of the year he's made more threes than trey young (laughs) <laughs> um has he he shot a lot more i would imagine I mean, he's, he, yeah he's shot more he's made more he has a higher percentage all the above yeah 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 i mean but like trey young's actually isn't even kind of not good from three-point range overall like his overall career three-point percentage isn't, yeah, isn't well, as good as you'd expect yeah trey's shot selection is terrible <laughs> um but uh yeah so i i think i think I've, I've been happy offensively with him um you know i, I think he's he's it, with the structure of the Pelicans offense right now, he's doing exactly what they need him to do. And I think if he keeps this up, he becomes a guy that teams have to care about more from three point range, which I'm still not convinced that they care that much when Lonzo shoots. On, because... on a Zion Williamson team, unless you, you are Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, <laughs> and like, you know, a, a select, you know, three or four more, I don't think anyone will care about who you are. They don't care about Brandon Ingram. So it's not yeah. a slight to Lonzo. They do not care about Brandon Ingram from three. Uh, on a Zion Williamson team. 
Um, but they care about uh, Miles Turner, right? <laughs> they would care about, right. uh, yeah, okay, anyway. Um, so I, I think that the, the place I'm struggling is on the defensive end. I, I have no idea how to, how to evaluate him. Um, I feel like overall he's been good. I feel like he's also been disappointing from game to game, and you really don't know what you're going to get out of him on that end. Um, like we've talked about with Bledsoe, it could be a symptom of the overall defense being so bad. And, and if, 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 the, if the rest of the defense can't be in the right place at the right time, you, you know, it's going to be tough for even a good defender to succeed. But as you talked about point of attack defense with Bledsoe, I mean, it extends to Lonzo too. Pelic, our guards are just tearing, tearing the Pelicans to shreds in ways that we never saw over the last few years because of Drew Holiday. And it really, I mean, not that we need, you and I need to appreciate Drew Holiday more, but it really, it really helps you do that. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just don't know. Like, I feel like, again, he's a plus defender overall, but he's not going to make a average team, an average defensive team. Good. He's just a, a complimentary piece from what I've seen this year. I, I, I don't know. I'm having trouble describing it, but um, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's fair. I think he has the abilities to be a plus defender on this team. He's not having mm-hmm. a statistically plus impact, um you're right he's not I don't think he's going to be a player that changes your defense I think he can be a player if you have a really good defensive team he can elevate it um with with kind of the the versatility he brings the deflections and all that yeah yeah, the deflections and all that as a as a as a point of attack defender I think he's been flat out disappointing um I, I don't think he knows how to navigate screens he dies on as many screens that Frank Jackson used to die on, um, which creates huge problems for the big. And, uh, and again, like Bledsoe, pretty much every guard that they've put Lonzo on has let him up. And at some point you, you have to trust your eyes and be like, okay, like this is, you know, some of it's been good defense. Some of it's been guys in ridiculous shots. A lot of it has been, guys being met with no resistance and you know pretty much with everyone on the team save for maybe Zion and maybe Hart um you know Lonzo doesn't play with an edge and I think as a as a defender as a point of attack defender you need an edge you need a little bit of nasty and and Lonzo doesn't have that um neither does 99% of this team uh so it's not it's not unique to him and it's just emblematic of how bad the defense is as a whole but you know, I, I think, again, the Pelicans are putting, because they don't have a guy like Drew, because they don't have point of attack defenders, they're tasking guys like Bledsoe and um, Bledsoe should be one. There really isn't an excuse for him. But they're tasking guys like Hart and Ball to be these stoppers up front, and those guys just can't get around screens. And, you know, on an island, they'll be fine. You know, if there's no screen, there's an island. They can hold their own. If there's, you know, like a lot of jab stepping going on, there's a lot of, like, um dribbling ball pounding going on but the moment that screen comes those guys are just out of it they're out of the play and and that can't happen if you want to be a good defense yep um i do you think you can have a top so i I guess this is not really a fair question because if you have the the right type of uh, interior defender you can but um can uh you know, can Lonzo be your best perimeter defender and you have a, a, a like a, a legitimately good defense? No. No. Because if Lonzo's your best perimeter defender, 
then your other two perimeter spots are Zion and Ingram, and they're terrible. Um, and then that leaves a spot for a guard. And the guard's not going to have that kind of impact. Maybe, okay, you're like, okay, well, you're, you're sliding Lonzo two-point um, to the point guard, uh, and you know he's doing his transition point guard thing, and they're doing the half-court thing with the other guys. Um, and you're adding in a wing defender, you know, a 6'8 guy. I think that wing defender has to be your best defender for you to have a good defense as well as, you know, you got to have a, a good defensive big. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't think Lonzo can be your best perimeter defender and you have a good defense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see people saying like he should be an all defensive player. I, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it, but look, I think with Lonzo, again, the conversation always comes back to what's his what's his next contract and I think at this point with how well he's played how well he shot the ball how well his numbers look on the surface you know his, his on-offs are really good um those all-in-one stats are, are showing him as positives uh, as, as positive um obviously not all of them love him as much as rpm the best dad <laughs> uh who thinks he's a top 10 player um but you know like you know epm has him pretty squarely positive like right below zion um and 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 second on the team and and a lot of stats are are, are sharing like hey this guy is is analytically good right is his pick and roll numbers look good um so on the surface this guy looks like he's about to get paid uh, he looks like, you know, teams can talk themselves into this guy can be our complimentary piece next to our ball dominant star for the next five years. Um, why don't we go and give a massive offer sheet to lock that up for, for us. Uh, and if that's gonna, you know, there are so many teams with cap space and there are so many teams that he would fit on. Are you comfortable with a team just giving him four years at $22 million a year? $24 million a year, $25 million a year, all the way up to his max 28. Cause I think that's his market 20, 20. I'm going to start at as low as 20, which I think he's going to get much higher than that. And his, his market caps at his max, which is like 28.3 or whatever, man. That's, that's Fred Van Vliet money, man. No, thank you. Fred Van Vliet is, 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 is that 20 range. That's that bottom range that mid, I think there are many worlds where he gets offered 25 a year, which is a hundred mil. Four years, hundred mil. I First of all, th- thank you for doing that math for me. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know you can't do four times twenty-five <laughs> that quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not in. On, I, I'm just. Yeah, and I'm not in on that. And I know this isn't like. I. I, I guess we can kind of. We we talk. We we beat this topic to death a lot, but it's still like I feel like every time Lonzo gets better, the pro like the the issue for the Pelicans is that his contract goes up, and it's a it's a players market this summer full stop i mean like there's a lot more cap space available than there is good players to be taking it and so you know if this was if this was a year ago maybe our conversation's different i don't know if it is but this is a bad year to have restricted free agents it really is and so it's it's the the the, the crux of the issue is unchanged it's you know it is is Lonzo Ball worth the amount that's going to be offered up by some team for him? And I am skeptical. And so that does not mean that either of us think Lonzo Ball is playing poorly. He's not, he's playing very well, but it's like, you know, it's, you know, how far you need to maximize the dollars you have and the Pelicans can't afford to 
make the mistakes. And I, I feel like I, you know, one thing we haven't done is talked about the article you, you wrote. Um, and I, I think it's especially uh, topical to, to, to this, uh, to this subject. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a scary proposition for me. Yeah. Um, if you haven't read the article, the summary is don't Gary Harris it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. The nuggets, That's simple. the nuggets, the nuggets in all their infinite wisdom, uh, Gary Harris, you know, he averaged like 13 points a game, a couple rebounds, shot pretty well from three. Uh, he was in his third, he finished his third year. He was eligible for a rookie extension um, right before his restrict, restricted free agency. He had a, a year before he hit that. He's eligible for the rookie extension. They extended him at four years, $84 million. So uh, about 21 million a year on average. Um, you know, some of us incentivized and whatnot, but you know, that that's the, that's the round picture, right? Um he, you know, he completed his fourth year. He had a career year. So his fourth year would be equivalent to what Lonzo's in right now. Lonzo's having a career year. He had a career year. He had already received his extension. So there was no risk of like him hitting restrictive free agency and getting more overpaid. He finished his fourth year, averaged 17 points a game, shot well from three, was was good on defense. Basically, he's doing exactly what Lonzo did, does for the Pelicans, minus, you know, a few fancy lob thrones, uh, lobs thrown. Um, that summer where Gary Harris would have been a restricted free agent, um, but his deal was already locked in. The Nuggets were forced to attach multiple picks to get rid of Kenneth Fareed, who they did the same thing with. They 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 overpaid him. He's a good but not great player, and they were a terrible team while while he was a good uh, good not great player, and they overpaid to keep him. Um, when they paid Gary Harris, they were also a bad team. Right? Here's the theme bad teams paying to keep role players when that happens bad things happen so that year they attached multiple picks to move uh Kenneth Fareed and Wilson Chandler because of what Gary Harris was costing them and on their cap and then ever since then you know he's cost them Malik Beasley he's cost them the Drew Holiday deal and he's still on their books he's making 21 million dollars next year and what what I don't want to happen with the Pelicans is they're 15 and 21 they invest um they invest 25 million dollars a year on quote unquote their third best player on a 15 and 21 team and then by the time when they actually get good and they need to add wing defense they need to add that stretch big they need to add whatever there's no money to do it because Lonzo's on the books and and I don't think in in the perfectly realized version of the Pelicans and their contender Lonzo's their third best player I, I don't I don't think that's the case Um, I, I'm nothing to add because I agree with everything you wrote. <laughs> so, um, I, I think most folks would probably uh, guess that from our dialogues here. So, um, it's a good, it's a, it's a good article. There's more to it than that. If you want to check it out on Bourbon Street Shots. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just want to make sure we had time to plug that. Cause it's, you know, it's good stuff. Um, do you want to Brand, yeah. Brandon, check out Brandon. Mr. Brando. Yeah. So we got, what do you think? Brandon Zion then wrap it. I mean, are there any other players you want to dig into? I, I really don't want to like our, I mean, I guess we should talk about, you, do you want to, do you want to do Kyra too? Or anyone else that's played enough minutes to, to warrant? Cause I'm not talking about Melly. You can't make me do it. No, it's just, 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 let's just wrap up our starters here. All right. Um, so BI. <laughs> um, so again, I, I, it's hard to, figure out what the right 
Now, I mean, I guess if we're talking about this from the start of the season to now, I, I think he hasn't really shown – I haven't seen a tangible step forward in his game. Um, and that doesn't mean he's been bad. I mean, he's been, I, I think he's been, a, a, you know, a, a really good player for the Pelicans this year. And he's really helped. Um, he's been their, their true bailout guy. I mean, you need a guy who can get a bucket, um, especially against good defenses later in games. Um, and, uh, and I know Zion's kind of taken on that role recently, but um, I think, you know, Brian, uh, BI's got that um, multi-level game and, and that's something that's a, a, a nice asset to have offensively. I feel like also though, like what is he doing better this year than he did last year? I, I have a hard time pinpointing uh, many things, and sure, that's I'll disappointing. You, I'll tell you what he's doing better. He is creating more of his own shots, um, quite quite drastically, uh, in fact, um, and he has maintained his efficiency. So he's pretty much putting up the same numbers, but his shot selection has lent itself to a lot more creation on his part. And it's been a lot more difficult. His shot yep. quality has gone down. And part of that is the roster construction um, that's forced him into, into, you know, as you said, being the bailout guy and taking difficult shots. And so for him to maintain his efficiency from last year, where, uh, you know, the vast majority of his threes were catch and shoot. And I think it's the opposite now, or at least uh, the ratios trended in the opposite direction. Uh, quite drastically um, for him to maintain his efficiency. That's promising and important uh, for, for a young wing. So I think there is, there is tangible progress there. Uh, I think the tractors will argue that his shot selection and shot making are a little bit unsustainable because he's doing them at a rate that he's never done so in his career, but he kind of did that the same thing the previous year. So, you know, it's, it's held up so far TBD, um, where what's going to happen in the future. And obviously, you know, part of that lends itself into the conversation where he's been disappointing in, in the fourth quarter in the crunch time mm-hmm. is because he is taking those difficult shots and those difficult shots become all that much harder when defenses are keying in on you and they, they know that the offense is going to go through you. Yep. Uh, I would like to see him offensively. Look, for me, I don't have – concerns about Ingram offensively long-term short-term any of that I I nitpick because he's a max level player and he has he wants to be treated as if he's the best um you know and so if those are the bars that he set for himself I will nitpick on those bars and my and I would like to see him uh on a roster that has a better playmaker that allows him to uh attack off the catch attack um, in a more secondary role and point Zion has enabled that a little bit. I would like it to enable it further by adding a legitimate point guard who can, who can break down the defense and make things easier for Ingram and create more catch and shoot looks for him. And then obviously, you know, you'd you'd like to see him in a little bit more spaced out roster and see what he can do there. And so I think that those nitpicks, those things will improve. Um, I think the season started out where, he the, the the offense was geared around him and he took a bunch of difficult shots and it's kind of hard to walk that shot selection back midway through the year when point Zion becomes a thing and Zion becomes uh, more and more ready to embrace a, a bigger offensive role but I think as they practice more which they haven't had much practice time that that pecking order will, will sort itself out not concerned I am hugely concerned about his defense huge huge bigly <laughs> I he's legitimately one of the worst defensive players in the league period full stop 
like bottom 10th percentile bad worse than Zion. And that's, that is what drives me is Zion was awful to start the season. That was awful last year. He has made tangible improvements forward, both in effort and in execution. Ingram has done no such thing. And it is concerning. And I think it's fair to ask if he will ever be a non-liability um, or if the Pelicans are just going to continually have to construct rosters that mask that. And I think if you are a max level player, you cannot be that bad defensively and expect to be on a good team with very, very rare exceptions. You got to be a top 1% offensive player and he's not a top 1% offensive player. Yeah. I, so I, I think I'm, I think I'm with you offensively. Um, I don't, I can't say I have any real concerns about his game. I think it's, I think he's shown the versatility. And and like you said, I mean, I've nitpicked about his shot selection and how much he's over, he's relying on the mid range at uh, levels he never has in his career, Um, which I mean, early on in his career, he was still taking some of those. And so the, the fact that he's kind of back to it is, is concerning, but like you said, there, there are other issues to that. Um, I think, I think he's not doing enough to, 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 like you said, he's a max player. I think he's, I think he's got to do a better job of not settling. Um, that's not always easy, but I think it's not as difficult at sometimes as, as some folks make it out to be. Um, and he, and that's something he's got to get better at. Um, but like you said, I feel like he's shown enough to, to his game offensively where that, yeah, there's, I don't, I don't have any concerns uh, about him there, especially as, Zion grows as, as a facilitator and, and, and the roster uh, kind of fits better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think defensively it, 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 that's, that's the big concern. I mean, I, I laugh about the fact that like last year we had people seriously wondering if Zion and NBI could coexist on offense. And it's just like, like what a, what a joke. I mean, that it, it, it's like evaluating off of a, such a small sample size when, and not taking a step back and looking at the, the player skill sets and once you do that, I think it's kind of, and now you can see obviously how crazy that was, but um, defensively, it's a, it's a huge problem. And it, it's, it's been the, and you, you wrote about it, but the, the three things you know, you're, you were looking for this season and that, what was that number one or number two? What was it? Number one, right? Number one was health. Um, so that doesn't count, but it was, it was number two. Yeah. So it is, it is a huge problem. And um I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to parse out how much of the Pelicans failures defensively or can be attributed to every, any single player, but I feel like it's fair to say that BI has been the biggest problem <laughs> for this Pelicans team defensively. Um, and he, I, I'm, I'm skeptical, as skeptical as you are about how much he can improve. I mean, I feel like, I feel like he's, you, at least you've got a guy. He's not, it's not like a someone who's, like, like a Kemba Walker or some guy who's just really too, too small to make an impact unless you're like Chris Paul. Um, so he's but got, he, he, he has a Kemba Walker level of impact on defense. That's the yeah. problem. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you're like, okay, well, he's not too small. Let's, let's discuss it um, in, in different re- uh, defensive responsibilities. You put him on the ball at the point of attack. He's too slow. He's, he's either too slow laterally or guys will go right through him. So you can't contain the shifty guards and bigger dudes will just brush him aside like it's no problem. Okay. You ask him to get over a screen. He can't do that. You put him in help situations. He doesn't rotate on time or frequently enough to make an impact. 
And so, you know, you put him at the nail, he's not going to dig. The dude has a 7-3 wingspan and has, like, the block and steal rates of, of like, Etwan Moore. And, and, I mean, he's been blocking more shots this year than normal. But, like, his steal rates are, are really poor. And one of the biggest um, commonalities that you'll see in star players is, are, is high steal rates because it shows – and people say – and I'm, I'm not saying this is, like, a um, – a strong correlation or anything, but people say, you know, the high, high ceilings correlate well with stars because it indicates their ability to process the floor quickly. Um, and, and read and react off that stuff. And that's been my biggest crap with Ingram is beyond the physical inabilities is I don't think he processes the floor on the defensive end quickly at all. I think it's, it's just several beats slow to where it's, it's just, you know, it, you pick his matchup in fantasy, you're going to have a career night, like every night. And that's a problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah. Do you, do you see a long-term uh, vision of, with this team? Like let's, let's assume that Zion gets it to at least like, he's, he's a fine team defender and like, he's not, he's not world beating, but he's also, he's not going to sink you. Um can you construct a good defense around uh, around BI in that in that scenario with the Pelicans? I don't know, and that's the biggest question that they will have to answer on the long term. I think they don't have to, you know. I, I'm not saying like, oh, I'm not pulling a Nate Jones and mean like, yep, trade BI, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, but like, at, at there is going to be a point in the future. Um, whether it's, you know, they've made the playoffs several times and they've come short because of defense or they've just flat out been unable to make the playoffs, whatever it is, there's, there's some point in the future, some theoretical future out there where if, if it's just not working defensively, then you, you reevaluate if that's a pairing that can work. Um, it's just, you know, they're, they're not at that point yet. And, and there are lots of things that they can do roster construction wise to, to help mitigate that problem, um, get a better defensive big, get better point of attack defenders, get a load up on the best health defenders in the league. Just all those guys that are great at tagging the roll man, rotating from the corner, um, you know, stunting uh, from, from the weak side, just recognizing screens, get load up on all those guys. Um, and then, you know, if your defense is still terrible, then yeah. Okay. Ask yourself like, like, you know, at that point, my, my, my threshold for moving on from him would be like, okay, like you've, you've had like multiple playoff series where he just gets picked on relentlessly and you just die because of it. And at that point you're like, okay, you can't get it done. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe there is a point where like the offense doesn't get it done or whatever. Like there, there can be other reasons why that partnership fails, but strictly speaking, defensively um, there are many steps they can take to figure things out before they got to take, before they got to make the Nate Jones decision of like, Oh, let's just ship uh, Ingram somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Um, um, okay. So one guy left um, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Zion well, Williamson. I got nothing to say on him. We had a whole last podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Him. We did. I forgot about that. And <laughs> uh, he's awesome. And uh, yeah, that is all I got to say about Zion. Yeah. If you haven't checked out our prior podcast episode, I promise you none of it's dated. Um, we, we spent a lot of podcasts just talking about how great Zion is. Um, 
and you should check that out because I don't really think there's anything material that's, that's happened between now and then that would make us change anything that we've said about him because he's, I mean, if anything, it's just like the shot charts have gotten even more ridiculous <laughs> since we last talked. Like the guy does like, does not care who is the, who is at the rim and he, he will score through you. Um, and so, you know what, until he gives us something else to talk about, that's even more exciting or concerning. I think we can leave it at, Go listen to the, our last podcast where we just raved about Zion for 30 minutes. Zion! <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, I think that was a, a good recap of the starters and the the team's decision makers as well as the coach. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel and, – and we hit heart, you know, one, one key bench guy. Uh, but, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. And uh, stay tuned for what's coming next with the Pelicans' second half of the season. What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen. I'm Matt. And I'm Theo. And we are Stay Hot, the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round. I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but, you know, we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already hitting the NBA playoffs. So watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.